Well, one of the great joys of modern technology is that when I preach in my church on Sunday morning, our broadcast crew makes a video and audio recording of that, and then we're able to put that in a podcast form and post that video online, and it then has a life of its own well beyond the Sunday morning in which I preached it. Uh, And that's all good and great, and I'm thankful for all of that. But every now and then, uh, something happens. So maybe the record button is not pushed, or a wire is disconnected, or something of that nature that means that uh, the sermon is not recorded. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, when I preached from Genesis chapter 27, uh, the second sermon in the Story of Jacob series that I'm preaching, Um, something happened with our recording equipment and no sound was recorded. So we have a great video of me waving my arms and and, uh, and and talking, but but no 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 sound with it. So uh, I'm not going to re-preach it in this format, but I did want to uh, walk with you through this passage and um, and just talk about some of the things that uh, I made points of in the sermon on that that Sunday. So this is the sermon titled "The Story of Jacob: Blessed Assurance." I preached it on September the eighteenth, two thousand and twenty-two. And it's from Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 40. Um, This is the testimony of Jacob stealing the blessing from from his father. Here's what the text says. So in chapter 27, it says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here am I. And he said, Behold, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may be blessed, uh, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you, go to the flock and bring to me or bring me two young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves, and you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and shall seem, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice. And go bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of younger goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went in to his father and said, my, my father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that, that, my, that your soul may be blessed, that your soul may bless me. 
But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may fill you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother. And Esau's hands, uh, his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him and said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See the smell of my son. It is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father, Isaac, said to him, who are you? And he answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me, and I ate it all before you came? And I have blessed him, yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, It is... Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you not Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By the sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. That's a very... um, Sad and broken story. Jacob's family is not a model of healthy relationships. His parents are open about their partiality toward their children. Uh, The brothers have a very contentious relationship. Um, Rebecca is willing to work against her husband's wishes, and Isaac is willing to work against the will of God. We see in this passage four people attempting to get their own way. Some want their will in opposition to God's will. Others want what God has promised, but according to their own way and their own timing. Only one will recognize that God alone is sovereign and unthwartable in His power. 
one commentary that I enjoy writing, uh, the, the writer wrote it this way. He said that the truth of the matter, though we do not like to admit it, is that the characters are very much like ourselves. The point is that the sovereign will of God is done in spite of our or any other person's opposition to it. So I titled this sermon, Blessed Assurance. And it might not be obvious what is assured or blessed in this passage. Um, what I want to do is I want to look at the four people of Rebekah, Jacob, Esau, and Isaac. All four attempted to impose their will over the will of God. But only Isaac would come to understand that the will of God is assured no matter the efforts of man. And the sureness of God's will is blessed assurance indeed. So from these four people, I want us to see four lessons. From Rebecca, we want to look at her lack of faith. From Jacob, we'll look at his sinful pursuit. With Esau, we will look at his lack of repentance. And with Isaac, we will look at his reckoning with God. So beginning with Rebecca, you really see that in the first 17 verses as she is trying to manipulate the situation to get what God has already promised to her. And in her lack of faith, she misses some big truths, and she misses that God is able to accomplish His will according to His power. Our introduction to Jacob was God's declaration to to Rebekah in Genesis chapter 25, where God said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So before these boys were even born, God had declared uh, that Jacob was going to receive uh, the blessing that God had promised. If we were reading the story of a perfect family, everyone would receive God's word with joy and faithfully wait on on the Lord to, to bring about his will perfectly. But this is not the story of a perfect family or of perfect people. Every member of this family is distrustful of the others, and all of them are trying to accomplish their own will. Now, we'll discuss this more with Isaac, but but uh, he calls Esau to him secretly, a secret that Rebekah attempts to overcome with her own scheming. In other words, she thinks that, or she, she recognizes that Esau and um, his father Isaac are trying to outdo or sneak around God's will. And she responds not by trusting that God is able to provide for himself and to provide for his will, but to try to scheme her own self uh, and, uh, and make things happen. happen. Rebecca's scheming reveals her lack of faith in God's ability to bring about his will. God is able to accomplish his will despite the efforts of man and despite what things look like in the present moment. The, the, the lesson we get from Rebecca is trust the Lord to accomplish his will. He is able. And secondly there, God's timing is perfect. Uh, the Lord works according to his timing, not according to the timing of man. Rebekah received God's promise about Jacob before he was even born. Jacob and Esau are now young men, and Rebekah has likely grown anxious for God to fulfill his promise. It doesn't look like it's going as he promised, and she's thinking it needs to happen quicker than what God seems to be working. Her scheming demonstrated a lack of faith in God's timing. 
when we attempt to hurry God or expedite His promises, we may get uh, what was promised, but we will not get uh, it with the blessing and the goodness of God's provision. Having faith in God requires that we wait on the Lord, wait on Him to act, and wait on Him to fulfill His promises. How often do we make a mess of things because we get impatient with the Lord and try to force something that we should be waiting for in faith? Trust the goodness of God's perfect timing. Rebecca demonstrated a lack of faith that God was able and a lack of faith in His perfect in his perfect timing. But then we have Jacob, her son. Now, Jacob also had, had grown up likely hearing that he was, especially from his mom, that he was the one uh, to whom the blessing should go and would rule over his, um, his brothers. But Jacob pursues what God had promised in a sinful manner. So we see Jacob's sinful pursuit, even of something of a righteous desire. And what we understand from, from Jacob is that righteousness, um, righteous outcomes do not excuse sin. When reading this passage, many commentators have struggled to find actions um, that should be praised or condemned. And if you read enough commentaries, you'll, you will find someone who praises each of these characters and someone who condemns each of them as well. Last week, uh, in, in the previous sermon, I made the point that a positive thing that could be said about Jacob's scheming is uh, that in his scheming to get his brother to, to sell his birthright for a bowl of soup, one positive thing you could say was that he rightly sought the blessing of God over the things of the world. Now, that's still true even in, uh, in chapter 27. But in chapter 27, he may still be desirous of God's blessing, but it's hard to celebrate his actions because of the sinful way he goes about attaining it. Certainly, Jacob shares all the lack of faith uh, that his mother demonstrated. But Jacob is acting at, he's certainly acting at the request of his mother. However, that's no excuse. He's, he's no small boy. He's probably around 20, 21 years old now and is fully responsible for his own actions. And Jacob pursues the blessing of God with acts of sin. Now notice in verse 19, he lies to his father and claims to be Esau, bold-faced lying. I am Esau. There's no excuse for Jacob's lying. God has not nor would request such behavior. And frankly, God is not honored by sin. Jacob may have attained what was his, but he did so through sin. His actions are not pleasing to God. His actions demonstrate a lack of faith in God, and his actions reject the provision of God. The holy God is honored by holiness. The whole, our holy God is not honored um, by sin. The blessing of God's provision will be diminished when you seek it through unrighteousness. Rebecca would be separated from Jacob for more than 20 years. In fact, the biblical record tells us that it's unlikely she ever saw him again um, not long after this episode. Jacob would struggle um, being away from, from the, his sheltered life at home and have some real struggles coming his way. Esau, his brother, would become bitterly hateful toward Jacob. Their relationship would forever um, uh, be challenged as, as, um, as, as Esau, um, in verse 
47 of this of this chapter says that he hated Jacob and that he had desired to kill him and and made those those threats um, Jacob's um, uh, pursuit um, was uh, he may have been pursuing something of, of a righteous desire but we need to understand that righteous outcomes do not excuse sin um, the the ends do not justify the means because God has no part of sin. Jacob's sin was greater than just lying to his father. Now, I want you to see something here. Jacob's great sin is dragging the name of God into his sinful actions. So look in chapter 27, verse 20. Uh, It says that Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And notice what Jacob says. He says, because the Lord your God granted me success. God had indeed promised that Jacob would rule over his brother, but God has no part in the actions of Genesis 27. There is a great temptation when you're acting outside of faith in God to claim that God is with you. Uh, There's a great temptation to claim God's leadership when acting in sin, but God does not sin and God never has part of sin. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one abides, no one who abides in Him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or, or known Him. A fake spiritual facade may fool many, and it may even fool those closest to you, but it cannot fool God. Fear the holiness of God and do not claim His approval or blessing for your your sin. And then we have Esau's lack of repentance. Now, we we, we might be tempted to sympathize or empathize with Esau. He certainly um, feels the bitter sting of being cheated the second time. Uh, by his brother. But there's some things we can learn from Esau's lack of repentance. The first is that sin has consequences. Esau is understandably angry, frustrated, and disappointed to discover that his father's blessing has been stolen by his weaker uh, brother. But he's not angry, frustrated, or disappointed over his sin. He is angry, frustrated, and disappointed over what he says has been cheated from him twice. He recognizes no sin on his part. And he blames his brother for all of his problems. He doesn't mention that he sold his birthright for a pot of soup or anything, or that he and his dad were trying to, to thwart the will of God uh, with, um, with this uh, scheme to get the blessing. Sin has consequences both for the present and the eternal. In the present, sin can have consequences that last for the rest of your life. Eternally, the sin of rejecting the salvation of Jesus has eternal consequences. I believe many on the day of judgment will be like Esau. They'll be angry, they'll be frustrated and disappointed. They will cry with great tears. They will blame others, but in that moment, it will be too late. Uh, They will come to the recognition of the consequence of their sin, and it will be bitter indeed, but uh, it'll be too late to do anything about it. You see, without repentance, there is no restoration. Verses 34 through 38 are hard to read and not feel sorry for Esau. 
When someone weeps, the natural response is to feel compassion for them. But we must be careful not to see Esau sympathetically, but in the manner that Scripture sees him. And Scripture sees Esau, and specifically this moment, as a warning against sin. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15, 16, and 17, it says this, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sought his birthright, who sold his birthright for a single meal. And you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Scripture is not sympathetic toward Esau's tears because they were not tears of repentance. Not all tears flow from a repentant heart. It is good to weep over sin, and it is right to weep over what sin has destroyed and broken and cost. But be sure your weeping is from a a heart broken over sin and repentant before the Lord, not just over the, the consequences of your sin. Without repentance, there is no restoration. Esau is a testimony of the lack of repentance. But in all of this brokenness and in all of this mess, there is a positive moment. And that comes out of, surprisingly, Isaac and Isaac's reckoning with God. Now, Isaac comes to understand something in the midst of this, that um, that God has been present and that God's will cannot be um, undone. So just a couple of things that we can learn from Isaac. Number one, God is unthwartable. Not sure that's a real word, but we're going to use it today. God is unthwartable. The opening verses of chapter 27 point to the fact that um, something is not right with this situation. Normally, when a family recognizes a major moment or milestone in the life of a family member, it is most naturally a public celebration. So think about birthdays, graduations, anniversaries, um, celebrations of new jobs, retirements, major successes, and, and even the giving of a major gift. These kind of celebrations usually include invitations to extended family and friends, a meal, but, but at the very basic, a public celebration. You do it in full view and, and, and participation with the rest of the family. But in verse 1, when Isaac decides to bless his son Esau, he does not host a banquet or call the family together, but rather he, he calls Esau, Esau to him privately. I might even add secretly. Isaac and Esau both knew that God had promised to. Uh, he, he, they both knew what God had promised to Rebekah. Uh, that the blessing that Isaac wanted to give Esau was rightly Jacob's, not because Rebekah wanted it that way, but because God had declared it that way. Uh, Isaac and Esau, though, both thought that they could work around God's will and impose their own, even uh, contrary to what God had. Had, uh, had, had declared. The key verse in all of this, though, is in verse 33. So if you have a Bible, look back, look in your Bible to Genesis 27, verse 33. Um, when Isaac realizes that Jacob had um, deceived him and received the blessing, it says, then Isaac trembled very violently. If you're someone who writes in your Bible or underlines things, that would be a good phrase to underline. Uh, Isaac trembled very violently and said, 
Who was it then that hunted game and, and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came and had blessed him. Yes, and see, there's this is a key turnaround. Yes, and he shall be blessed. You see, when Jacob left with the blessing, Isaac thought God's will had been thwarted, and he had been successful in blessing his favored son, Esau. But when Esau returns home and asks for the blessing, Isaac, the Bible says, trembled very violently because he recognized that he, though he tried to thwart God, he had miserably failed. No matter the effort, no matter the strength or craftiness of man, God's will is unthwartable. This is blessed assurance indeed that the Lord's will will prosper no matter what. To this very day, there are many who are doing all they can and using all the mechanisms of this world to thwart the will of God. Isaac did too. Esau did too. Um, But Isaac shook violently when he recognized that for all of his efforts and all of his scheming and all of his try, um, there is no way to outdo or sneak around or to thwart God. God is unthwartable. And then secondly, he recognizes the presence and power of God. One um, commentator uh, writing about this passage uses the word or used the word conversion to describe the change in Isaac after realizing God's will prevailed, even though he desired how to do it differently. This is how he wrote it. This is James Boyce, and he wrote it this way. Yet in the midst of this disgraceful scheming, there is a spot that stands out so brightly that one can end only by praising the wisdom and mercy of God who brought it about. It is the conversion of Isaac. Some may think conversion too strong a word for for one who had undoubtedly been raised in the love and knowledge of God and who had in his youth actually been a type of the Lord Jesus Christ dying in our place on Mount Moriah, but I do not think it is too strong. And even if it was not a conversion in the sense of Isaac being changed from an unsaved condition to a saved one, it was at least a conversion from a willful rejection of the sovereign decree of God to an obedience to a to an obedient acceptance of it. You see, Isaac violently shook because he realized that in every moment God was present. God was powerful, and God was bringing about His perfect will. He rec- his res- recognition of God's presence and power are demonstrated in how He refuses to reverse His blessing of Jacob. Um, so in, ver- in verse 33, it says, I have blessed him, yes, and he shall be blessed. At this moment, I think Isaac understood everything that was going, had gone down. The, the blessing had gone to the rightful son, Jacob, despite his efforts. And he's declaring now, yes, and he shall be blessed. In verse 37, it says, Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him Lord over you, and all his brothers have I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? And after his protest and pleading, in verse 39, it says that Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and and you shall serve your brother, but when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck." Because of his, uh, because um, he responded, responded in faith and obedience. Hebrews remembers Isaac with these words. In Hebrews chapter eleven, it says, "By faith, Isaac 
invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. You see, in all things and in all times, recognize, acknowledge, and tremble before the power and presence of God. He is always working, whether you recognize it or not. In, 19, in 1874, days after the sinking of the ship that was carrying his wife and all four of his children, Horatio Spadford made the Atlantic crossing to be with his wife, who alone miraculously was saved from the water. But she was broken and grief-filled, and he was too, and was making the crossing to be with his wife. The captain of his ship called him to his cabin when the ship passed over the spot where, where his wife and, and daughters had gone down and his daughters had been lost to the sea. Sometime on that journey, on that very sad journey, he penned these words. He wrote, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. Blessed assurance does not come through human striving. Blessed assurance comes from faith in the perfect provision and work of God. That's why we sing the beautiful song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. Perfect communion, perfect delight, visions of rapture, now burst on my sight. Angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. But here is the verse that I think most captures the sense of blessed assurance in the providence and power of God. In the third verse, it says, Bless, perfect submission, all is at rest. I, in my Savior, am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Blessed assurance indeed. Well, hopefully in the weeks to come, as I continue to preach this sermon series on the life of Jacob, our recording equipment will work. And videos will be made and um, recordings will be, uh, audio recordings will be had for the uh, future podcast. But I hope this has been helpful. hope it's blessed you. And I hope you'll continue to listen each week as we continue to walk through the life and the story of Jacob. Thank you for listening to All for the Kingdom, a weekly podcast of my preaching ministry. For more sermons, blog posts, and other related content, go to bensmithsenior.org. That's bensmithsr.org. I am the pastor of Central Baptist Church in Waycross, Georgia. I would love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 201 Ava Street here in Waycross. Our morning services begin at 1030 a.m. For more information about Central Baptist, go to cbcwaycross.org.
www.thelordsdaycare.org. Again, thank you for listening. And until the Lord returns, let us live each moment all for the King and all for the kingdom.